0: Hello and welcome to the HR Grapevine podcast, the podcast where we take a look at pressing news stories or issues that could impact the HR agenda. This week, myself, Dan Cave, Head of Content at Executive Grapevine Digital Media, will be stepping in for your usual brilliant podcast host, Sophie Parrott, and I'll be joined by Kieran Howes, Deputy Editor across the Grapevine Brands. So Kieran, welcome to the podcast that I appear to have taken. Could you give us a little bit of the flavour on the stuff that you've been reporting on in the business and HR worlds this week?
1: I sure can, Dan. Yeah. So first things first, I wanted to say that I read your brilliant feature with lastminute.com on communicating with staff and how to do that properly in times of disruption. We've also heard some really interesting, if not slightly unnerving news about Elon Musk creating a new robot workforce and the the implications that that might have for the rest of us. And finally, uh, as we've come out of the pandemic or we're coming out of the pandemic, we've been hearing a lot about the struggles of workers in this time with regards to where they've been working their homes and the effect that this has had on their professional lives. And I believe this is what we're going to delve into a little bit today. Yeah, so this
0: might be a slight sidestep for what we usually do on our podcast. We usually look at what's happening in work rather than what's happening outside of work. But this outside of work topic, I housing became an in-work topic over the last 18 months due to enforced remote working and actually as hopefully our audience will agree with us when it comes to the end of the podcast you'll see why ongoing noise in lots of news outlets about the housing crisis might impact your own talent workplace and employee care agenda so I'm going to kind of give you the lay of the land of the housing market in the UK at the moment, and hopefully that will lead on to a discussion of why this is impacting the HR agenda right now. So let's take it back to the start of the pandemic. Lots of people who previously might have been living in city centres to get close commutes to their office were suddenly locked indoors, maybe those city centre flats which were close to all of your social hubs, um, the pub, the bar, the office, whatever it is were less appealing, which led to people wanting to move out for more space maybe in the suburbs, move to cheaper places because suddenly that expensive city centre flat wasn't delivering the value that you thought it might have due to your social life or proximity to the office. Coupled with a stamp duty holiday from Rishi Sunak has actually led to house prices rocketing during the pandemic, and they've only just started to fall this month, rising 13% over the pandemic year. Obviously, I've, I've given a couple of factors as to why people wanting more space, people want to move out of cities, stamp duty, holiday, yet that's only one side of the coin. There is still what a lot of news outlets are calling a housing crisis, with many people in the UK, including key workers, just unable to afford to buy. And this affects different groups disproportionately, millennials really just can't afford to buy a home by and large, with half renting into their 40s. In fact, by the age of 30, just 30% of millennials will be able to do so compared to baby booners. Over 50% of those owned a home by the age of 30. Even for those that potentially might be thinking, oh, I'll be able to get onto the property ladder, I'm not cut out completely. 2018 data suggests it's over eight years to save for a house deposit from a single person. And even that's based on them being able to save 20% a month, which, you know, just many people don't have the ability to do that. In fact, the director of a mortgage decisions company, Your Mortgage Decisions, said it has never been harder for a young person to get on the housing ladder. We have seen people living longer at home, with most not buying their first home before the age of 30. Uh, Let's couple that with what, anecdotally, lots of people would have seen during the early pandemic, which is... Realising the difficulty of living in shared rented accommodation that many workers live in as they, you know, puddled in the corner of bedrooms because all their other housemates were doing the same on Zoom calls, etc. So what we get is quite difficult housing landscape for younger generation, particularly. So what we're hoping to do on today's podcast is explain what that difficult housing landscape means for the HR and talent agenda What do changes in where people want to buy mean for, say, office space or how you set up your company? And what does that mean for potentially some of the things in HR's interest, such as compensation and benefits and how it best goes about engaging and retaining staff? First off, Kieran, though, is that first point that I made, is that people have kind of been jettisoning city living situations, haven't they, since the start of the pandemic? So What does that mean for where work takes place and, I guess, any offices that companies might have?
1: Yeah, I mean, you made a really fantastic point at the beginning that this has been something which has obviously completely transformed over the course of the pandemic. And I think we're in this period now, this unusual period where these lockdown efforts by the government have ended, but the virus is still going on. It's actually really important that HR remembers that this is going to permanently change the working structures because it's changing people's lives as a whole. So for example, as you mentioned there, people are in droves moving out of city centres. I think probably everyone who knows people who live in city centres knows the the urge that people have had to move out of those to maybe more rural areas. And that's had a massive effect on people. So London office workers are considering leaving the city in favour of the seaside and a better quality of life according to statistics released by mushroom. So 60% said that the COVID-19 pandemic has made them reconsider their living situation, with many setting their sights on escaping to more green areas. And Brighton and Hove is actually some of the most popular destinations for people who are moving out, with 30% naming it their top choice to move to. So the research was commissioned by an online lettings agent that's what mushroom do and they actually found that 43% of workers on the whole are craving cheaper living costs and those polled actually are currently paying an average of 1464 pounds a month on accommodation so a lot of people that is a massive massive amount of their you know their pay packet that's going on. Potentially living in in very costly areas of the country, and actually, when asked about their post-COVID priorities, living a quieter lifestyle was chosen by 43%. Being by the seaside was chosen by 42%, and better access to clean air at 41% as well was high on the list. So it's a well-being thing as well. People want more relaxed situations to live in after this really traumatic year that people have been through.
0: And I guess that's very different from maybe expecting that your workers would all live, I don't know, two or three miles away from the office in, in a city centre, right, Kieran?
1: Exactly, yeah. I mean, as I said, this this is a permanent change to the way that business operates. And for many people, especially with the kind of digital innovation that we've seen over the last couple of years in uh, technology kind of replicating the in-person working structures, it's actually possible for people to work from wherever they like, even, you know, outside of the country that they're living in. But I, guess that kind of poses the question of what that means for office space because now that people are making these permanent moves away from the area that their offices are based in, what is that space used for? So a couple of ideas about hybrid and remote working. A recent WTW study said that 65% of workers expect to be completely remote or hybrid, and office space is likely to change as a result, as the frequency that people visit it and what they expect from it when they actually come in changes.
0: So I guess actually what what this picture paints is that increasingly people might move away from the city centres as, you know, the pandemic has acted as this moment to be like, actually, what do I want from life? And that has a knock on effect for where offices are and how they might be used. And I guess it's up to HR to to figure that out and signal that to the board, right? Because they're the ones with their ears closest to what what the people in the company need and, and would like.
1: Well, I mean, that's it, isn't it? The, the boundaries here between work and life and kind of outside life, we've seen blur so much over the last couple of years. And now these elements that maybe weren't so considered in the HR agenda beforehand are indeed now top priorities in terms of well-being and sustaining people's careers in a comfortable way.
0: I guess, though, we've just focused on those who might be thinking about buying houses or or renting in a completely different place. What about those who are renting in less than ideal conditions? What about how that kind of dynamic affects employment?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, this is intrinsically linked to well-being, both physical and mental. You know, we've seen loads of anecdotal evidence all over LinkedIn and all over the news of people who are working in maybe cramped small apartments in city centres, and they're working out of the same room that they sleep in or their main living space. And you've also got to consider the fact that cramped housing conditions are more likely to impact BAME households, who are all also more likely to be renters, as well as those in uh, the generations of millennials and Gen Z. So that brings with it people kind of living a bit more on top of each other than in, you know, broad spaced out locations, an increased risk of coronavirus becoming, you know, an issue there that can really affect people's physical well-being as well as mental. There's
0: also the case as well, which is that with the average millennial salary, salary, over a third of that goes on rent every month, and that's predicted to rise by 15% by the end of 2023. That's a huge chunk of outgoings. And what that means is they're unlikely to be able to save to get the security of, say, a bought house or long-term housing in the long term. And that causes lots of stress. So, it might do – one thing which is cause them to want to move out of these cities or expensive um, centres if their company offers remote work, again, which I guess dovetails with your previous point, Kieran, which is this might be a case of you no longer needing those central office hubs. Or it could be that they're increasingly looking upon their employer now that the worker-employer I guess power balance has shifted a little bit towards the worker and talent on this landscape, and that employers will be having to look at increasingly creative ways to attract the best talent to their companies. They might look to their employer for actually, can you have a say and can you help me with my financial wellbeing? Of which housing might be part of that? So I asked the question could employers help their employees buy houses? if we take the above housing crisis which we've laid out in this podcast within the context of a talent crisis the great resignation an increase in concern around employee well-being could it be the key to attracting and keeping talent if you say, suddenly say actually i'll help you with your housing i will have a say in that as an employer so although if we boil that down should an employer help their employee buy a house we might think actually that's not traditionally been the case that actually sounds a bit mad i think it kind of makes sense and could be a potential thing that would happen in this in this changing landscape so the perks of benefits landscape is changing a recent report from care.com showed that increasingly employees want help with the flexibility in their lifestyle and well-being as as opposed to the old on-site gimmicks and perks. There's a really good couple of examples of this. We saw in the 2010s that perks were increasingly delivering against the more intimate and private and personal elements of an employee's life so Apple and Facebook for example offer egg freezing uh, there's an hormone producer out there in the US who offers botox there's even a few american firms that offer what they call a concierge service where actually there's a service on site to do you all of your life admin whilst you're at work so whether that's like picking up the kids doing chores etc cetera, etc cetera. traditionally parts of life that the employer might not have just stepped in and got involved in at all and in fact employees increasingly expect their employers to step in and help them create a life that looks after their well-being and delivers some kind of purpose development and career and life pathway. There's lots of research which suggests that this is actually what employees want, so almost 7 in 10 have admitted that better perks and benefits offering would be enough to make them choose one job over another. I say then if you know that perks and benefits can often be a game changer, and you've got the financial club to be able to do this, why wouldn't that perk be a housing deposit, especially when you're looking at new-gen talent who increasingly feel cut out of the housing market? Obviously, this is not going to be available for all firms, but it could increase how attractive you are as an employer, make them more engaged at work, because they're not worrying about those financial well-being elements. And it actually helps you deliver against being a purposeful employer who cares about some of the big issues in society, of which housing is one, and is delivering in a very personal way and creating that relationship with your employee. So I, I think from that logic, it's not actually that out
1: there. Well, Dan, you and I are... HR centric people, obviously, and and I guess that in some circumstances already we're seeing an uptake in that kind of whole life holistic approach to perks and benefits. But for people who maybe uh, are struggling to justify this, I mean, do you seriously think that this is something that we could see happening in the future? So, in a word, probably
0: no, because it would be very very expensive and. In, in in a in a wide scale and universal manner, that's probably it's probably not going to fall on employers to solve the housing crisis, as it were. But there are examples out there of this happening. So if you work for the armed forces, and this is in tandem with the government, so it's not just private sector, there is a forces help to buy scheme, which enables those working in service to borrow up to 50% of their salary interest fee to buy their first home or to move to another property on assignment. So that's a clear example of an employer in tandem with the government going, here's a housing deposit. We appreciate you're probably not as highly paid as you would be for, I don't know, equivalent seniority in the private sector. So here's a housing deposit. It will come out your salary each month, tax-free. Probably not going to notice it the same way that maybe a student loan or something else does. I've had a look around as well. There's a few ad hoc examples. So as reported on Money Saving Expert, the example of bosses offering upfront loans to employees, increasing the salary to the amount of that loan to pay it back the following year. So I guess if if you were on, say, 40K, and they lent you 10k. They'd back it up to. They'd put you up to, I guess, just over 50 because of the tax. And then you'd pay it back like that. I guess the thinking there, to me, is that you you get that employee longer term. I guess the issue is if you're doing this on an ad hoc basis, is it fair? Is it open to all employees? Is it just top performers? Lots of things to consider there, without even considering the financial implications of which I'm not a financial journalist and I don't know the ins and outs of like how difficult that might be. If we just step away from buying houses for a minute, there is a scheme which was set up in London where lots of employees signed up to help employees with a rental deposit scheme loan, realising that especially lower paid workers might not have access to, it's about a £1,000 on average is the first time rental deposit, be able to change homes if they're in an undesirable living situation or just need to move. So there's a few big name employees that signed up to that, co-op group of one, and in 2015 when they signed up to this rental deposit scheme loan, Adrian Shooter, the then cooperative group director of resourcing and diversity, so someone who has a clear HR remit, said the number of people renting is in- is increasing rapidly and we want to make sure we're responding to our colleagues' needs as people's lifestyles change. If I update that by six years, could it be that increasing numbers of people, you know, changing their lifestyle after the pandemic, maybe realise wanted more security, more space, colleagues' needs are now, actually, I'd want to be a first-time buyer, is there some ways that employers could look at delivering against this? Maybe the pandemic was a Damascene moment for this, when you literally were offered little insights into the days that people had to contend with, whether that was like kids stress or housing stress or not having the right conditions to work. So it might be we start to see an interest in actually I need to deliver on some of the personal elements of this work this worker's life because that has a clear impact on how they deliver work for me Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for. HR Grapevine wouldn't exist without your continued readership and engagement with our content, whether that's our daily newsletters, monthly magazines, webinars, live events, or market-leading research papers. So to find out more or to sign up to our daily content newsletters, which showcase solutions and best practice answers to all of your HR issues, please visit hrgrapevine.com.